Good morning. Well, you know, the Bible tells us that there is a time coming of famine, but it says not of food or of water, but of the Word of God. And I've been just challenged this last week as I've been praying and looking at things, how we compromise the Word of God in our life and how we even see mainline churches, or I guess it doesn't need to be a mainline church, but many churches that have done the same thing. They compromise the Word of God and what was once a standard in our life. So even when I was raised, I was, I was a naughty young boy, but I knew right from wrong, and I chose to do wrong. But today the lines get blended, and many times when we look at things, we try to, as the Bible would say, um, call sin good, and we call goodness sin. And we talked about that over the last couple of weeks as we've been going through First John. And we're there again. We're going to be in uh, the second chapter. And again, I'm just going to, I'm going to read through uh, what we went through last week and then on through verses 23. So First John 2, uh, 15 through 23. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be manifest, and that none of them were of us. But you have the anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So as we talk about our battle and our Christian walk, as we talk about those things that come into our lives that draw us away from God, this word Antichrist comes in, and, and John is talking about this Antichrist coming. And so when we think about the Antichrist, he's referring to an individual that is going to reign. Um, and in many people, we have an imagination of what this Antichrist is. I think Hollywood has, has portrayed the Antichrist in many movies. There's even many Christian movies that uh, have this uh, Antichrist figure that uh, we have probably watched or seen. And even people who don't know the Bible have this picture of who the Antichrist uh, might be. But the, the name Antichrist is an important name to understand when we look at really what is John talking about. The prefix anti can mean the opposite of, but it can also mean instead of. And so when we look at things in the world today, I think uh, most of us focus on the opposite of Jesus when we think of this. Now, we are going to know that the Antichrist at his very root is, of course, uh, opposite of, of who Jesus is and what Jesus has for us. But I want us to think today about the instead of, because when we really look at the Bible and we look at the Antichrist, we'll see um, 
some different things than probably what Hollywood has portrayed. Um, most people think as much as Jesus went around doing good things in, the, in this world that uh, the Antichrist is going to be going around doing bad things. So we have this picture I always think of as a child. I was raised watching Flintstones. I don't know if you remember that, but Fred always had the, the little angel on one shoulder and the little devil on the other. You know, always that temptation that was there. Whenever we portray good and evil, we think of, you know, like an angelic being, and we think of this uh, little red guy with the horns and the tail that goes around, and we think, well, he'd be pretty easy to um, identify. And so we think of the Antichrist as this uh, supremely evil person, again, which at the very root he is. I don't want us to lose that sight. But I think that the Antichrist that we are going to see coming in the world today, and we're going to talk about this in a little bit, is more of an instead of Jesus. So when we're looking through the scriptures today, and as you read through your Bible, I think it may depend on your version, but you can see Antichrist with a capital A, you're going to see Antichrists with a little a. And so there is the, the being that is going to come, the Antichrist, that would be the big A. But the Bible tells us this. That when he comes, he's going to appear as what? An angel of light. That doesn't seem too scary, does it? Doesn't seem like we're going to just pick him out of a crowd. He is going to come looking, talking, speaking um, as, as some great person, as some peacemaker, as some that, that is going to calm and take care of all of our, our problems in our life. So it says that he is going to come as an angel of life, it tells us he's going to look wonderful. He's going to be charming. He's going to be successful. He's going to appeal to our senses when we see this. And he's going to really look like the ultimate winner, this angel of light. And so when we think of these things, we, we maybe get a little bit different perspective of, of what the Antichrist is. It's not just this person that's going to be so easy to pick. I, mean, I know many times... When we get into conspiracy things, you know, we look at people and say, well, that person's the Antichrist. This is, no, no. That when the Antichrist comes, he's going to be very deceptive. And so John is giving us this warning. This is why he's telling us in our life to, to really hold on to the truth. And the truth of the matter is today is that many times we don't want to hear the truth in our life. We've become comfortable in sin that's in our life. And so John is challenging us through his little epistles here, to examine our life, to look at our life. And, and if we have this sin, and as the scriptures would say in the Old Testament, if there be any evil way in me, any vile way in me, Lord, reveal this to me that I can get these things out of my life because we don't want to be the people that are calling bad good and good bad. And the world today is doing that. Our political system today is doing that. Many are doing that today. So some have wondered if this Antichrist is going to be a person or is it going to be a political system. Now, I'm not, I'm not a big prophetic Bible scholar. Um, I do read through it, but in my opinion, in the things that I've sort of read through, I think it's going to be a combination of both. And I think as we look in the world today, and I'm not an alarmist about a lot of things, I don't think we need to worry about tomorrow. I think God has given us today and we walk in today and we live in today. We share the gospel today. We want to get people saved today. But, you know, the world is, is really set. The stage is set for the end times as we look at this. Now, John, back in his day, said, hey, he was expecting it to come right away. 
He was expecting it to happen right away, and I think we need to too. But I think it's going to be a combination of both a person and a political uh, system. So we have the, the Antichrist A, the, the, the person who's going to come as the Antichrist, Satan, whatever we want to call him. But then there's these little Antichrists too. And Antichrist is only really mentioned in the Bible five times. Again, your, your version may vary a little bit, uh, but it's in the letters of John five times in four verses. So we have it in 1 John 2, 18, uh, verse 22, John, 1 John 4, 3, 2 John 1, 7. So we have it in the Bible at times, but that doesn't mean that the Bible hasn't talked about the Antichrist because it talks about it in many places. Um, it, though the word Antichrist is infrequent, Daniel talks about it several times. It's just used as different names. So it's called the little horn, king of fierce countenance, prince uh, that shall come, the willful king. So he's got all these different names. He comes in his own name, the one who comes in his own name. Now we know as Christians, we come in the name of the Lord, right? We speak the name of the Lord. We profess Jesus Christ, the name of the Lord. Um, in uh, Thessalonians, he's called the son of perdition, the man of sin, the lawless one. So we have a picture of who he is. But what is this picture? What is, what is he going to look like when he comes? How are we going to um, recognize him? Well, it says this. It says that the Antichrist is a world di dictator who's going to lead all humanity. So in the world today, we hear on the news about this one world order or this one world government that goes on. Nobody can really define what it is. And, and there's definitely nobody right now who is is leading it, but the stage is, is set for that. And so this is what the Antichrist is going to do. This will be his empire. This is where he is going to step up, and these are the warning signs that he gives us. So sometimes you wonder, why do I need to read the Bible? What's so important about looking at the Bible? Well, it tells us the, the warning signs that we can have. So in our lives, when we read things, we know what the warning signs are. You know, we can look at the uh, the west, and we can see the storms coming in, and we can say, oh, there's danger out there. The, the stage is set for a big storm, and we get these warnings that come. God has given us his word that we also can have these warning signs, that we recognize these things, that we are not duped into these things. So national leaders uh, will speak of this new world order, but there's nobody really yet that has stepped onto this. But guess what? That leader is coming. That antichrist is coming. We don't know if it's today, if it's next month, if it's years down the road, we don't know. But one thing John tells us through the scriptures here is that we need to be ready for this. He's going to be surrounding himself uh, with the kind of personality cult that um, we're conditioned to accept today. When we look at the world system today, so when he says, you know, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. When Romans talks about do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's so many war warnings in our lives as believers that we are not sucked into the world system. Now the Bible also tells us we are to be in the world, but not of the world. The world system stands against Jesus Christ. The world system stands against God's word in the truth that is in there. And I always say, woe to him who tries to blend or gray the lines of God's word to make sin acceptable in those things. And so we are conditioned to accept this today in the world. If you watch the news, if you listen to some of that, 
if you just look around, we can see some of this. You know, uh, not only in America do we really practice this sick worship of celebrities. You ever notice how we do that? We have that sick worship of, of these celebrities, these, these uh, it, it can be sports, you know, we, we put them up on these pedestals. Our, our, uh, sometimes it can be musicians, it can be politicians, it can be all sorts of people. But we have this sort of sick worship of celebrities. But around the world, there's been hundreds of millions of people, when we talk about a political system, where they also worship a person. So we can think of Lenin, we can think of Stalin, we can think of Mao. We can see how easily those things happen. When a political system gets behind uh, an individual, how that happens. And they would worship these men. They worship these men as divine. And so the stage is set. We know that it can happen in the world today because it's already been happening in parts of the world today. And the Bible tells us the day is going to come when we all will probably get under that system. Now the believer doesn't need to fall into that, but as a whole, we're going to see those things coming. We're going to see those things mandated and those things forced upon us. It shows us just really how strong a personality cult can be. We've seen those. We've seen the David Koresh's even in our, in our community and in, in those that uh, uh, Haley's Comet group that went there. We can see with Hitler and all those how these personality cults can pick up and people buy into it. And we know once the mob gets going, it's hard to slow it down. It's hard to stop it. All these, de- yeah, all these developments should really uh, make us understand that the Antichrist who is coming is ready to be revealed just when the moment is right. I think the stage is set, and I think it could happen any time. Now, all that being said, I don't walk in fear about tomorrow because I know who's got me. I know where I'm going when the Lord comes. I know, you know, when, when the things go bad, I know who I can trust in. So we don't need to walk in fear of these things, but we need to be aware. We need to be the watchmen. We need to be the ones that are sounding that alarm. We need to be the ones that are sharing the gospel with our friends and our neighbors or inviting them to to have fellowship with us. You know, Jesus instituted the church for an important purpose. And it's to hear the word of God, but it's also to have fellowship with one another that we come together because there is strength in numbers. When we can come together and when we pray together, you know, when I go out alone in the woods or wherever I'm at and I pray, I know God hears me, but he also says where two or three are gathered, there I am also. So I know that in corporate prayer that there's more that happens. How often are we praying about the things that we really need to be praying about? And so he goes on to say, these people that went out from us, they were not of us. Now that scripture gets misused in a lot of ways and I'm not going to go into those things. But in many really shows that many of these false antichrists were one time part of the church. Okay, They were one time part of that belief system. So if you've ever studied cults in America like Bob Jones, um, you, you, could, you could see that. David Koresh, they all started as sort of like these little prodigies in the, in the, in the real church, in a God's church. But they got led astray and they went off from there. And so uh, they identified themselves with Christian communities. And so these antichrists, these little A's, these antichrists, many times we see them that get into the church and they try to pervert the church and they try to pervert the truth that is there. The importance of each and every one of us having a Bible and reading the Bible is important. 
because you should never take one man's word for anything. Just because I'm up here preaching or another preacher comes up here and preaches doesn't mean that we're always right. You have the word of God. You have the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells you. And sometimes when we hear things, it's like, well, that's just not right. That doesn't sound right. We need to always check everything against the word of God. The word of God is what stands strong. The word of God is the truth. Our feelings can lead us astray. Our emotions can, can lead us astray. I've had a lot of people where I've talked with them and they say, well, I just feel the leading of the Spirit and this and that. And I'll say, but the Bible says this. Well, but the Spirit's leading me. And I'll say, you know, I don't think it's the Spirit of God. Because the Spirit of God is never going to lead you contrary to the Word of God. How often do you have the Word of God in your mind? The Bible tells us we need to dwell upon these things, that we need to to think upon these things, meditate upon these things. We need to be having communion and fellowship with God. That's important. It's also important that we have communion and fellowship with one another. We learn from one another as we talk, as we share our experiences, as we share our trials, as we, as we go through things. We get enlightened by one another. I enjoy the times with my Christian brothers when we get together and sisters when we're sitting and we're talking about scripture because I get challenged in new ways. I begin to look at things in new ways because sometimes I can look at things from a skewed view. So the sobering truth is that many of those who are offering this hope came out of Christian churches. And so it's just because somebody calls themselves a Christian doesn't mean that they are speaking for the truth. The truth is the word of God. And so 20 through 23 talks about um, the spirit of the Antichrist. It says, but you have the anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who, is, um, who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is the Antichrist who denies the Father uh, from the Son. So when we look at this, we see that this anointing has this idea of, of being filled with the Holy Spirit. The anointing, by the way, is given to every born-again believer. Sometimes people try to even lead us astray in that and say, well, this person has a special anointing, that one has a special anointing. I don't believe that. I think we have differing gifts, as the Bible would say, but the anointing from the Holy Spirit is the filling. It's a representation of oil on the believer. Not, not every believer walks in their anointing, or listens to that anointing, but I believe that that is something that we can exercise in our life and that we can use in our life. So I don't believe that anointing is just given to particular individuals. I believe it's given to all believers because it's the idea of being filled and, and blessed by God. And so as we read his word, as we spend time in prayer, uh, the Holy Spirit begins to reveal things to us, and that's why he tells us that, that we can know these things. We can know the truth. I believe even for a new believer, when he's listening to something from the pulpit or on the radio or some Christian thing, he can say, you know what, that just doesn't sound right. God has given us that discernment. That discernment, I think, in our life needs to be honed, and it gets honed through the word of God, through prayer, through fellowship that we have with one another. But he gives us that. You know, the saying is, if it looks like a skunk and smells like a skunk and, you know, whatever, it's probably a skunk. Sometimes there's just things that I've heard in, in my life uh, you know, over past things, and I'll hear something, and I'll say, something doesn't ring true about that. And I'll look it up in the scripture, and I'll see that they have taken a truth and just bent it a little bit. 
See, we find that when we're in the word of God. We spend, when we spend time in, in his word, we see those things. We, we, we can realize those things that something's just amiss. And I really believe that that's how these antichrists work in our life. They just take the truth and they just bend it a little. Well, that's okay. Well, that's not as bad as this. And, and everybody else is doing it. We need to be cautious in our life. Because when he tells us in verse 20 that we know these things, he's using a different word than he, he used before. He, John, before when he was talking about you know these things, he was talking about an experience in our life. So, you know, I, I go to the cabin, I got a wood stove going, and, and I put my hand down on it, and ah, I burn myself. Okay, and I know that's hot. Why do I know that's hot? Because I just burn myself. I experience that. But there's also a, a type of knowledge that's by intuition. It's like, ah, I don't think I want to do that. And why? Because we just got this feeling. We got this sixth sense. We have whatever it might be in our life. And that's what John is talking about here in verse 20. He says, you have the anointing of the Holy One, and you know all things. It's not that we're know-it-alls. It's not that we got everything figured out. But it's that we know the true spirit, because the true spirit lives in the believer. The true spirit is, is flourished in the believer. And as we walk in his word, as we walk in his ways, as we spend time in fellowship, as we spend time in word, as we spend time in study, that, that Holy Spirit just fills up all the cracks and crevices of our life. And it's a lot easier to recognize deception when you have the truth that is living in you. And so because of the anointing of the Holy Spirit given to all believers, we possess these resources that we can know the truth. And it's important to know the truth, especially when we're coming up against the things in this life that we are coming up against. So we can know some things by intuition, by the, uh, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So never discard that thought that you might have or that uh, intuition or whatever it might be. Look into it. It may be wrong, but it may be right. But always use that against the word of God. So the spirit of the Antichrist identifies itself by the denial of Jesus Christ, denial of the Father. And so I talked about this instead of Jesus, instead of like the, the complete opposite, the little devil with the, the horns and the tail, but instead of. So I want us to think about today as, as we leave or as we go, do the Antichrist have an impact on Christian believers? I would say they do. We have an influence from the world. We have a draw. This world draws us. That's why he was talking about the lust of the flesh, the, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. These are things that draw. So these little Antichrists in the world are always trying to draw us away to cloud the vision of Christ. Amen. And so in our life we can have this. You know, how many times do we think of like sexual immorality in our life? Now, while everybody's doing it, it's sort of a common thing. It's just like we're married. It's just like it, but you're not. It's still a conflict to God's word. Well, a little white lie doesn't hurt. I can cheat on my taxes a little bit. Uncle Sam doesn't need all that money. But it's lying and it's cheating. And so when we look at God's word, we don't want to gray. We want to be black and white. We, we know what God's word says. And we know when we're fudging that tax return or when we're cheating somebody out of something, we know that we are doing that. Okay? The truth is there. If, as a believer, we know the world, many times, they think it's okay. They can justify all sorts of things in their life. But if you're sitting here today as a believer in Jesus Christ and you know him and you love him, 
as he loves you. You know what the truth is. And he calls us to walk in this truth. So that's denying Jesus. You know when I say, well, that's not a big deal, and Jesus says it's a big deal, he calls it sin, that's denying Jesus. That's telling him you are wrong. And so the hope in all this, and, and our hope is what? That we can have confession of our sins and repentance of our sins. So confession, again, is being in agreement with God. God, I know your word says this. I know I have this in my life, and it's wrong. I agree with you on that repentance, and I'm sorry for that, and I'm purposing in my heart to go the other way. So it's a change of mind, a change of heart, a change of direction. God changes the heart. But when we come in agreement with God in our mind, that's the biggest thing, because the world, the little antichrist of the world, want our mind to get conformed into this world. And that's why I think Paul says in Romans, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the what? The renewing of your mind. We need to get back to saying, you know what? God's word says this. I believe it. And it's good enough for me. And we walk in that way. And when we fall short, we have an advocate. That's, that's the hope of it all. And that's the, the, the wonders of his glory and his grace and his mercy is that we have this advocate that when we do fall, and we will, we get back to him. But we stand in the word of God. And so Jesus said this, he who believes in me believes uh, not in me, but in the him who sent me, the Father. And he who sees me sees him who sent me. That's in John 12. John's writing the same thing, the Father and the Son. Again, remember when we started out that there was the, the different sects of belief that, you know, said that, that Jesus morphs from one personality into the next. You know, he, he was the Father, then he became the Son, then he became the Holy Spirit. They deny the, the person of the Trinity. He's saying no. The Father has sent me. We are one. Again, John will talk about that in, in the vines and different things. But he says, he who receives me receives him who sent me also. So John says, when we have the Father, we have him. And so we need to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. We need to walk in his ways. We need to understand that he didn't give us these words as, as just suggestions in our life, but he gave these things as a roadmap for our life. He gave us his word that we might walk in his truth and walk in his ways. And so he gives us these things. And, and I truly believe, you know, I, I've, I've counseled for, for many, many years. And I really believe with all my heart that, that every situation that we can come across in the world today can be addressed somewhere in the word of God. It's the only book I think that has all these things. I mean, there's a lot of self-help books out there. Some of those self-help books are good, but... The Bible is the only one that I think addresses every situation of sinful man. See, it goes down to the root. It goes down to the, the, the very nature of man. And until we realize our nature and, and submit that over to God, we're never going to have victory in our life. You know, many people say, you know, we all worship the same God. You know, Chaplain Moore and myself, we work in the prison. We, we deal with different faiths. You out in the community you deal with different faiths also. People will say, we all worship the same God. You have one name for him, I have another. You know, I, I don't know how many times I'll have Muslims say, you know, well, Allah and God are the same thing. Well, no, they're not. They're not. But see, that's the world's deception. How often do we hear that? How often do you see on somebody's bumper sticker that sign that says coexist? And it's got all the religious things. Shouldn't we all just live together in perfect harmony? No, the Bible says that there is one way. But it, 
They'll say, you know, you call them one thing, I call them another thing. That doesn't matter, but it does. You know, they're saying, we're all talking about just different paths that lead to the same thing. The only thing I agree with them on that is this, is all roads lead to Christ. But it's going to be when you get there, are you in the judgment seat or are you in his grace, in his mercy? Because it does say that one day every knee is going to bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. So at the end of this life, no matter if you're a believer or non-believer, you will be in the presence of Christ, giving an account for who he is. And so we ask, what? Was your God personally revealed and perfectly revealed in the person of Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ is the only one who came, who lived that perfect life without sin. He's the only one that was raised from the dead. And if they can say yes then you can say we have the same God. Because God is sort of a generic term for a lot of people. I love God. Well, what God do you love? Do you love the God of the Bible? Do you love the God that, that Jesus proclaimed through the Gospels? Or do you love some other God? Because there is gods of this world. There is gods of our own imagination. There is idols that we have made gods through our life. And maybe even in your life today, you still have some idols that you're battling with in your life. God desires that spot in your life. There are many people that seem rather spiritual or religious, yet they reject Jesus Christ. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Some people say, well, you know, I believe in God, but, you know, I, I just don't, you know, I'm not ready yet. I'm not this, I'm not that. They fill up churches. Some people go to churches just wanting to see what they can get out of a church. Well, I go to this church because, you know, you know, you ask people a lot of times, why, why do you go to that church? Many times, oh man, you should see the programs they get. Oh, they're big. Oh, they got great music. Oh, they got this and go. And somewhere down the road, they may say, well, we hear the word of God. They speak the word of God. Shouldn't that be the number one reason why we come to a church? Amen. To hear the truth? To hear God's word proclaimed? in its entirety, without holding back, without reservation? Don't you want to belong to a church that can call sin, sin, and still love one another? Don't you want to walk in a church that, that comes alongside those that are struggling and those that are, 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 are weak and say, let me help you on this journey? So many times they'll say, well, we'll pray for you. And prayer is a powerful thing. Don't get me wrong. But a lot of times somebody needs you to come alongside of them that's why the Bible talks about discipleship. Discipleship is making disciples. What did Jesus say? Go out into all the world, making disciples, baptizing them, and teaching them to obey all things that I have commanded. That's the type of body that Christ desires. That's the type of church that he wants us to be and to be a part of. Is that in your desire? So as we look at these things, we find out that we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to walk in fear but we walk in reverence. We walk in reverence to God and his word. We know that God is not mocked. What we sow, he tells us we are going to reap. But we also have that hope that we have the great advocate, that great advocate that loves us enough to wipe our slate clean when we come to him and repent of our ways and say, Lord, I just want to walk with you. I pray that that's your desire today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again, Lord, for your great mercy and your great grace. We thank you, Lord, for the love that you have for us. 
love that that we cannot even really fully comprehend in our life. We've tried to describe it. Your word describes it, but our mind can't wrap around that. But your desire for us is good. Your desire for us is that we would walk in such a way that our lives would draw others to you. And Lord, we need to be humble in those aspects, knowing that in the flesh we can't do that. In the flesh I fail. In the flesh I I fall short many times. But as is stated in Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So Lord, give us the determination, give us the desire, give us the will, Lord, to follow you. And Lord, when we're feeling weak, when we're feeling like a failure, Lord, that we can turn to you and be renewed through your word, be renewed by your spirit. Father, we thank you again for all that you do. We thank you for this body of believers that you have brought together. We thank you for their desire to serve you, to reach out into the community, to minister to those that are in need. Continue, Lord, to do your work through this body. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.